Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer break down the legacy of the territories and delve into Continental Championship Wrestling. Welcome to Legacy of the Territories. I'm your host, Dave LaGreca, and here with the heart and soul of professional wrestling, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer. And on this episode, we talk about another territory Tommy that isn't really talked about as much as I think it should be and that's continental championship wrestling yes and in the history of the business we all talk about southeastern championship wrestling this one little key demo market that so many people have like just I want to say brushed over or glanced over but it was so key to like the history of the business and the the that one territory from like Alabama. Uh, then you go north uh, for where the Gulas territory was, and it was in between Memphis and Nashville. This Knoxville territory, which was such a hotbed, that and down south, like this area of just not the most populated. Or like more rural, but yet I know a lot of wrestlers came through there, but also the biggest part, like, you know, Arn Anderson, when he said to me, Arn, what was your favorite territory? And he would be like continental championship wrestling. That speaks volumes for it of how great this was. And he was like, work out, lay on the beach. I'm young. I get to do whatever I want. Uh, You're in and out. You're famous. You're on this local TV. Repeat, do the next day. Yeah, and, and I think when you look at whether it's Southeastern Championship Wrestling or Continental Championship Wrestling, you think of the Fullers. You know, yep. another one of the families that when you when you look over the territories, whether it was the Funks or the Fullers or the Von Erics, you know, who are you going to uh, trust? Who are you going to have loyalty with? Your family members. And I think Southeastern Championship Wrestling is an example of that, Tommy. The Fullers and the Armstrongs, uh, those yep. two names are synonymous with that territory. Who was the booker? Who's the owner? There's a lot of um, transitions during this time of ownership or, hey, I'm going to take my company and I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. And, you know, we always talk about this un you didn't go into the other territories, you know, in the sense of there was these borders and these boundaries. This at times got a little bit in a gray area, but they were feuding amongst each other internally, not venturing out because if you went a little bit too far to the left, you're dealing with mid South. If you go a little bit, even it's in the same state, 
you're now dealing after that panhandle, you're dealing with Florida championship wrestling. If you go a little bit too further North, you're now in the Memphis and Nashville territory up in Tennessee. So it's amazing geographically how they kind of like didn't cross these things, but then these borders, but the great wrestling that you saw And then all of a sudden it's, hey, we're changing the name from Southeastern and we're going national and we're going from smaller venue to bigger venue because, you know, the business has changed. They have this foresight. We're going to go and we're going to run hard and we're going to go. And this Southern style of wrestling is going to go national with continental championship wrestling. And it's it's going to take off. And for a large period of time, it did. And just this, like, think about in this small area is such a hotbed for professional wrestling. And we're not talking like we all talk about Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown. We're talking nightly in all these other satellite towns. The other thing that is amazing to me, um, because like, you know, people so like are like, especially on social media about a continuity and flow of television and all this stuff. The one place that if you think about you're shooting your angles, but in Dothan was a week behind your current TV product. So you would do all these things. Let's say you and I are fighting because we have this no this new feud, but it started. But then the week, if we're going to Dothan, we got to finish up me versus Paul. Yep. Because it hasn't aired yet. And think about like for the booker, how he had to keep track of that. And then it is also like you would do all what we say and all the older wrestlers talk about market specific promos where it's, hey, we're coming here, we're coming there. But Dothan had to be a week behind all of That's that. Crazy. It's so hard to think about, but yet it it thrived for so long doing it in just that like you literally went backwards in one specific part of your town. Now we talk about Southeastern championship wrestling, which I think was around from 1974 to 1985. And it thrived. It was an amazing territory. Like you said, a hotbed of professional wrestling. And as we mentioned earlier, things changed in 1984 when Vince McMahon pushed the WWF nationally. All of a sudden, all bets were off when it came to that territory system, and everybody was trying to go national. You didn't want to regionalize yourself anymore. You didn't want to be called Mid-South. You didn't want to be called Mid-Atlantic. You didn't want to be called Southeastern. You needed to have a name that was going to attach to a national level, and that's when they made that move, Tommy, to being called Continental Championship Wrestling in 1985, and their best years was yet to come. Yep. Uh, it's funny when you said that, I didn't even think about that. Mid-South became UWF. Yep. Mid-Atlantic became WCW, Worldwide Championship Wrestling. Uh, you need to do that just as Vince McMahon would always say, to change the perception because perception is reality. And that regional wrestling is now trying to blow up because then, but why also the expansion of cable yep. and the expansion of, professional wrestling still i mean think of the era we're living in today this was every like there was a a raw a nitro a oh, nitro a raw a dynamite and a smackdown each and every day in your local city it's crazy when you think about it but you're right about 
hey, now you had to have a name. Now you had to have a brand that was going to be appealing to a national level. Now that the World Wrestling Federation was going national, you couldn't be Southeastern Championship Wrestling. You're now called Continental Championship Wrestling. You mentioned the families, the Fullers, the Armstrongs. The Armstrongs, probably one of the greatest families in the history of pro wrestling. And we're very lucky when we come back to have a member of the Armstrong family. Scott Armstrong is going to join us. When myself and Tommy are back, it's Southeastern Continental Championship Wrestling. When we're back with Legacy of the Territories. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This is Busted Open's presentation of the Legacy of the Territories, Continental Championship Wrestling, with your hosts, Dave LaGreca and ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. Continuing our episode of Legacy of the Territories, Continental Championship Wrestling, we have a member of one of the most important families in the history of pro wrestling. That's the Armstrong family. We welcome in... Scott Armstrong, and Scott, let me ask you this. When you first got involved with Southeastern Championship Wrestling before it was Continental Championship Wrestling, what advice did your father, Bullet Bob Armstrong, give to you? He said, yeah, stand on the apron and watch your brother. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's basically what I did. I stood on the apron and, and watched Brad and... Wow, man, it, it opened my world. Everything, you know, look, when you're 22, you know everything. Nobody can tell you anything. And uh, to compare that into today's time, just look at Twitter. You say anything, you guys know, you say anything on Twitter, and there's a 20-year-old that will put you in your place, even though they have not even 15 minutes as far as, uh, you know, being in our business. And so um, that's where my head was at. I knew everything. I could do whatever I want until I stood on that apron for the very first time and watched Brad and man, oh man, unbelievable. I was the brother of the, all the Armstrong boys that said, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And look, I was, uh, you know, six foot tall and I looked like a zipper. <laughs> and so I would, uh, I wanted to be the wrestler so bad and all of my buddies in high school were like, man, you're never going to be, you, your dad is a star. You're never going to be it. And so um, I just didn't let that get in my head, man. And when I see people today go, oh, well, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like, hey, do it. And I remember the first time my dad, I ordered wrestling boots 
and had them sent to our house. And I remember the first time my dad walked in the door and I was wearing those wrestling boots and I wasn't even wrestling yet. And he hadn't even given the go ahead for me to wrestle yet. And he said, what are those? And he said, are those mine? And I said, oh, no, sir. I'd already had S.A. put on the side of them. I mean, <laughs> that's how bad I wanted it. And so, um, you know, after a while, he I just didn't want to have my first match and those boots not be broken in. And so uh, I broke them in all around the house and he he dogged me about them. But uh, finally, he gave me the, the opportunity. And uh, here we are having this conversation. It's crazy. It hey, is. you had told me a long time ago how your first stint in the business, and this talks about back then how secretive they are in the industry, where if you could tell that story, because I remember popping, you're a straight up Mark fan. You think you know the business, but you don't. And then if you could tell the story or if you need me to remind you of what it was. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, you basically said you've never got involved in business. You want to be involved in the business. And then you're outside in the back while the show's going on, the door opens and they go, Hey, they're kicking your dad's ass. Oh yes, yes, yes. They're kicking your dad's ass. Hey, get out there. And it was like, wait, what me, me. And look back then, you know, it wasn't like today, uh, nothing like today. There was no internet. There was no anything. You're the show aired like in Dothan, Alabama. And this is where that happened, Tommy. It was uh, in Dothan, Alabama. And they literally uh, had the show on it. The show went off air at 6.30. And the promos on that show said, tonight in the Houston County Farm Center in Dothan, Alabama, in just a few hours. So you can imagine the show starts at 5.30. It goes off the air at 6.30. And the live show starts in Dothan at 8.30. And so by the time the show goes off there, you have two hours if you live in Dothan to go, oh, man, to get caught up in the moment and caught up in that TV show and go. And that's where we were. And they said, you're kicking your dad's ass. And and we had a, uh, we had a, uh, uh, our car, we, you know, we parked where the wrestlers park, of course. And um, I wasn't wrestling at the time. And there was a kendo stick in the car. And I hope that's what you're talking about, yeah. Tommy. And so I literally ran out to the car, scared to death, and popped the trunk and grabbed that kendo stick and took off running to the ring. And it was um, it was Norvell Austin, who was one of the original, original, original uh, Midnight Express, Norvell, Dennis Condry, and Randy Rose. And man, I hit that ring with that kendo stick and I just started beating the hell out of everybody in sight. I think they all took like one shot and then scooted. And then, uh, you know, later they they took me aside. And this is, look, people go, oh, your dad was the was a wrestler and he was the booker. So they took care of you. Well, let me smarten you up to something. After the show, we get on, so that was on a Saturday night. On Tuesday night, we get to Mobile, Alabama. And, there, and there's an opportunity for the heel dressing room and the babyface dressing room to actually talk to each other. But there's a security guard that stands in there. And so we still, back then, there was total kayfabe. I mean, you didn't talk to, you know what I mean? The, the heels and babyface yeah. get, get caught talking to each other and you got your, your pink slip immediately. And so somebody went and got the, 
security guard's attention and they told me go into the heel dress room and I went in there and when I walk in those dudes the three dudes that I had beat the living daylights out of with that kendo stick all two of them grabbed me and Randy Rose has that kendo stick and they just start swatting me all over and I'm 22 years old and think I know everything right and they're just swatting me all over um needless to say selling it is not the word I'm putting it over it hurts and yeah. when they finally stop, they go, so that's how it feels to us when you hit the ring and start beating the hell out of us with a kendo stick. Now let us teach you how to work it. And dude, that was from a kid that thought he knew everything, grew up around the business, the whole nine yards. That was so eye-opening to go wow, man, so it really is more of an art form than I thought it was. And, and you know, as life goes on, man, look, I'm, <laughs> needless to say, I'm not young anymore. And I look at it now and the art form, sometimes I think, man, it's lost. And then I see two dudes go out there and tear the house down and they, it's the art of the work and the work is still there. And man, it was really cool, but for me, what an eye-opening moment, man. Yeah, man. But I mean, just, and Dave, that's why I brought it up. Cause just think about it. Your dad's getting beat up and he goes to the car. I have to defend and fight for my dad. And that's <laughs> how the business was. It's insane. Yes. When, I, when he told me that story, I was laughing my ass off, but also I was just like, wait, this is your father. And like, I, you know, you, me, we'd go in there to kill the guys. And right, that's what right. you were there to do. Yeah. And look, needless to say too, Dothan, Alabama, it was a dirt floor. Yep. It's Dothan, Alabama. And it's the, there's a lot of farmers in that, in that area. And they would watch the show and then come straight to the arena. And so, um, you know, look, I always say we were, uh, my family was very fortunate to come through Alabama at a time where um, family, look, family still means something in, in a lot of the states, in the United States, but in the South, in Alabama, in the uh, late uh, in in the late eighty or mid eighties, I guess, um, and the Armstrong family and standing up for grits and gravy and grandma and you know what I mean. It was holy crud. Did it work? And and that's in reality, people go, oh wow, the gimmick was great. It really, I mean, really wasn't a gimmick because all the brothers and dad, we all sat down at the table and ate together, and we all had. You know, we grew up and we had wives and kids and we still, um, it was family. And so it just worked, man. It, it did. It just worked. And uh, I don't know, to this day, you think it could still work, man, because everything old is new again. <laughs> yeah. Can you, but, uh, you know, oh, go, ahead, oh, go ahead, Tommy. No, no, I just want to say quickly, because you mentioned your brother, Brad, and, and Tommy and I have talked about it. Mark Henry and I have talked about it here on Busted Open. Uh about the Armstrong family and, you know, Mark talking about your father, uh, Bob Armstrong and how he had a match with him and he was supposed to go over. He's like, I can't, I can't do that. That's Bob. That's bullet Bob Armstrong. I can't do that. And then me growing up watching your brother, Brad Armstrong, who I still say on this show all the time, probably the most underrated wrestler ever. Um, maybe, maybe one of the greatest babyface wrestlers of all time, uh, especially in, in his time in Georgia Championship Wrestling, which is what I grew up watching. You know, talk about your family and talk about the strength of the ties of your family. 
and how really your family over the over the course of decades at a high level getting your name out there to everybody look at you don't real I, I personally never realized uh who my dad was he was dad you know what I mean I didn't I didn't see him as Bob Armstrong the the wrestler or the guy that made his name in the business or guy, the guy that was making a huge footprint in the business I just didn't and as I got into the business and the longer I was in it, the more I realized, wow, back in the territory days, there were uh, bookers and, and guys that owned the territory that would call him. And I remember being a teenager and answering those phone calls. I, I remember like um, Moolah or Mae Young calling my house and me going, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I was a teenager and, and they were looking to get their girls booked or whatever it was. And, and it's the same thing with all the bookers from everywhere. Hey, I've got a really good hand and and could you use them a little bit? That never sunk into me until I actually got in the business and started wrestling. And once I started wrestling, now you're wrestling the guys that made the phone call to see if they could get into the territory. And you realize the respect that those guys have for your father. And you go, wow, I I mean, for me, it was eye-opening because he was dad. You know what I mean? He'd tell you, boy, don't do that BS. And and you just didn't do it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was like that. And so um, he, he was the guy when we all sat around the table. And my, look, my mom was old school too. She was the one that had the, the telephone with the 15-foot cord. And she could talk on the phone uh, because back then they didn't have the gimmick that hooked to the phone where, you know, you could. Right. turn your head sideways and and talk on the phone she just had that phone crooked in her ear and she could fry pork chops and set the table all at the same time and if you got in the way of that believe me she best wrist lock in the business she could put the fear of god in you and so uh but but between but she was the sweetheart you know my dad was a disciplinarian and my mom was the sweetheart and so um brad was a lot like her and so he was the, look, in his youth, oh, my God. I mean, he was the kid that you would take to the doctor and go, I think he has some type of issue. <laughs> but but as the people, which you can ask anybody that's, that ever knew him, uh, one of the sweetest, kindest, I'll never forget sitting at, uh, you know, when he passed away at his viewing and Terry Taylor sitting down next to me and saying to me, you know, Scott, I don't think I ever heard anyone say a negative word about Brad in this business. And look, you guys know this business is very easy to hear a negative word about anybody. And so when he said that, I mean, here I am a decade later rem remembering that. And that's how much it stood out to me. And uh, look, Brad's talent was undeniable. He, when he started, I'll tell you this quick story, and I've told it on my podcast too. Um, Brad, when he started, Brad got Brad graduated from high school, and three weeks after he graduated high school, he had his first match. Well, between those three weeks, he had gotten out of high school. He got a job at a little grocery store, and he's in there working. And my dad happens to walk in the grocery store, and my dad, believe me when I tell you, he didn't go shopping, but he just happened to go in there, and he says. Uh, 
and he sees Brad and he starts walking towards him. Well, the manager of the grocery store is standing, it comes walking up and he starts just dogging Brad saying, you got to do this. You got to do that. And just being a, a real dick. And so Brad is going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. To the guy. Well, it, it just hit my dad wrong. And Brad, I was the one that always said, I want to be a pro wrestler. Brad never said it in the history of ever. And, wow. and all of a sudden my dad goes, Hey, Brad, is that your boss? And Brad looks up and says, yes, sir. And he said, tell him you quit. And Brad went, oh, dad, dad, no, I, I can't. No. And he said, no, no, tell him you quit. And if he ever wants to see you again, all he's got to do is turn on channel five. That's where he'll see you. And wow. Brad just looked at my dad. He said, tell him now. And Brad looked up the guy and said, I quit took his apron off, handed it to the guy and walked out the door. And the next time that guy saw Brad, Brad was a pro wrestler. And there you go. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's an amazing story. It is. But, but here's the real kicker. So Brad had the opportunity to not only get in the wrestling business, but um, to learn from like Dennis Condry and Norvell Austin and uh, Randy Rhodes. I mean, those three at the time were like the mid, they were the midnight express. And so they taught Brad those old school Southern 16 foot ring spots and how to take your time. And, you know, look, rookies rush. It's as simple as that. Every rookie from now until the end of time will rush. They'll throw 10 punches when the guy can only sell the last one. And so they taught Brad, relax, man. We're, you know, this is our job. We're clocking in. And so that's what Brad taught me. And Brad ended up, he was just so smooth. I remember when I finally got on with WCW, Brad was already there. And Brad, and they put us together as a tag team, the Armstrong brothers. And, and Brad would tell me um, so many things in the back. And then we'd get in the ring and he'd talk to me just like we're all talking right now. Just so calm and relaxed and having a good time. And man. To me, I was that all I'd been in the business for 10 years. I was that rookie all over again. Oh my God, I got to do this 30 times and do it real quick. And that, you know, you just learn from the pros and Brad was a pro. And I don't know the reason that he wasn't um, utilized in a higher position other than in the locker room. If you ask around, Brad was one of the funnest guys to be around ever. I mean, Tommy, you were in there a number of times. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's why they put him on commentary in, in ECW. But it never could be poor. That charisma, for some reason, get, couldn't get pulled out on commentary. It was with his body and his, and his body language in the ring. But two different people, like... Yes. Like in the ring, you would think like smooth as silk, like this consummate professional in the back, like stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember Lex Luger getting so pissed at him. Because, hey, remember the old school wrestling boot? Look, I don't know how 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 many eyelets the boots have now. Maybe they still have a hundred, because good God, back in the day, you know, you'd lace your boot up and your shoelace was as long as a football field. And Brad would take his finger and roll up like 50 yards of that boot string and then walk in the locker room and throw his boot right at Lex's face. But since he rolled up all the lace, 
the boot would stop like a foot from from Lex, and Lex would get so pissed about that, man. And Brad, and, and of course, everybody in the locker room just bust out laughing. And, and uh, I mean, look, he was just, he was fun to be around, man. And like I said, when we were young, he was all over the place, and our our mom was constantly trying to corral him. But as he got older, he just became a just a great human being. He was more of a, um, here, here, take mine. And he would do without. And he was that way with his brothers as he got older, too. And, and you know what's so, what's so sad? He had the um, the heart attack he had. They ended up seeing the the Widowmaker, where it's the the blocked artery that right. most, you know, 99% of people just don't kick out. And that's basically what happened to him. And and it's so weird because at the towards the end of his life, um, he was a you know, eating salmon and on the treadmill, he had a treadmill room in his house and he was on the treadmill every day. And, he was, and you know, I'm sending him pictures of me eating the two chili dogs and he's, he's eating salmon and, and you just go, man, I, and I, I remember, um, so Halloween is so bittersweet in my family because Halloween's the last night that any of us talked to him. And, uh, you know, the next morning he didn't wake up. And so he is, I'm telling you guys, I, I miss him so bad, uh, not just because of the wrestling business, but like his daughter is in her third year of college and I, uh, his widow. I talk I talk to them all the time and and we talk about him like he just walked out the door. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy, man. And the, what's really crazy is technology has gone so forward that. I'll never have to do without him the rest of my life. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, you watch the Jetsons and go, oh, God, I wish we could see each other on TV. That's the coolest thing ever. And then, uh, and for those listeners that don't know, the Jetsons is a cartoon that was on a lot. And so, but, but I always thought, wow, that would be the coolest thing ever. And we live in it. You know what I mean? We lived long enough to see it. So um, it's cool to be able to, you know, that, uh, Brad's daughter being in her third year of college, she never knew the Brad that she sees on YouTube. She really didn't know him, that guy, you know what I mean? Because he's been gone for 10 years and and he was already out of the big time, basically, if, if you want to call it that. He was already out of it by the time uh, she was born and he wanted to be home with her. He worshiped her. And so, um, look, for me, we talk about uh, me and Brian, especially. We talk about him all the time. Brian Road Dog, uh, whoever's listening. Uh, we talk about Brad all the time and say, "Oh God, Brad would love that." Or, or you know, we watch a movie on TV that's really stupid or has really slapstick stuff, and text each other and go, "Man, watch this. Brad would have loved it." And uh, he'll never be gone, man. Not in this household, that's for sure. That's awesome. But that's how you keep people's memories alive is through the stories. And then like to the, like my daughters don't never met my dad. I mean, they were born when he passed away and like, I tell them stories all the time, you know, and that's how you keep that memory alive. But you have that, Hey, you want to see how jacked Brad was? Boom. You see this <laughs> drop kick? Boom. It, you live forever in your body of work, which is cool. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, no, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it's very cool that, that guys like you guys remember him. And I, and look, this just recently happened. November 1st has come and gone, of course, but um, November 1st is the day he passed away. And 
uh, at the end of that day, I got a, a text message from Dr. Tom Pritchard, who has Tom Pritchard has visited Brad's gravesite every year for 10 years. Brad and Tom were really tight. And this year I got the text message and it was a picture and it was Tom and Lash LaRue from WCW days, Les Thatcher legend himself and Alan Funk. And Alan Funk had become a great family friend in WCW when we were all up there just doing jobs on TV. And, and that picture of those four dudes, and they were sitting around Brad's head, Brad's grave site. And I, I can't even tell you, oh, wow, man, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, guys. It's all good, man. You love them, you miss them. What it, yeah, do I ever... What it meant to me to get that picture from those four guys, it's unbelievable. And they're not trying to start a, hey, let's all meet at Brad's uh, graveside on, uh, you know, in November. It, it was nothing like that. It was just four dudes that truly cared about him. And I know in my heart, Brad loved each one of them and in his own way. And, and for Tom to send me that, man, me, look, Tom Pritchard knows I give a crud about him. He knows it because he even helped my wife move, me and my wife moved to Birmingham. And that was 36 years ago. And so I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't oh, mean please. for um, But for uh, just to get that picture, you don't even know what it meant. Look, it was already a. It's a tough day, man. It's bittersweet. Halloween's awesome. It's the last day I got to talk to him. The next day's tough. It just is. And it's it's been that way for 10 years. So to get that, man, I'm so sorry. To you get that stop picture. Stop saying you're sorry, man. It's everyone, you know, this, this is why this business is so real. These are people that from all different walks of life and how your brother affected them. And this is the realest yes. part of the relationships we make and traveling down that road. You know how I feel about you. You know how I feel about your brother. Like I, I like this is this is the realest part about it because we all are family, and your brother was special. And you know, a lot of times too, when you, you it triggers these emotions, and you we're tough men, and we got to get this shit out. Now I'm crying because you're my friend, and I'm seeing you crying. When well, I die, can you send me a? Uh, you know, if I die, send somebody a picture of pissing on my grave. The both of you and your brother, because you both make fun of me all the time. But as you're as you're as you're as you're relaying this story, Scott, it reminded me of because this show has been on the air for 13 years. So uh, the day that it broke, because at, at the time uh, busted open, which is it's now on in the morning, but it used to it was used to be on in the afternoon. So the news broke that your brother had passed, and on that day, uh, we had Mick Foley in studio as a guest, and. We, we were talking about your brother on the air before Mick came in studio and um, T Tim Horner called in. He was listening to the show. He heard, he heard it and he called in to, to tell some stories about your brother, Brad. And then, and then Mick came in and Mick's like, Hey, what are you guys talking about uh, today? And we told him about your brother and he didn't know. And he had that same reaction. You just had like, we're coming back from break. And Mick was like, Whoa, I, I can't, I can't, I need, I, I need time here. Like, 
I need I need to take a moment here. Like I can't come on the air and just do an interview after hearing the story about, you know, your brother passing. So like I can tell from that moment um, just how much of an effect that your brother had on generations of, of fans and pro wrestlers. So, you know, we talk about the Armstrong family and I talk about it a lot here because it is one of the greatest families in the history of pro wrestling. But whenever I get the opportunity, I talk about Brad Armstrong because I just feel like not enough people know about your brother like not enough fans knowing that about your brother. And as long as this show's on the air, I just feel like we have to talk about that because it's worth talking about. Thank you, bro. I, I appreciate those kind words. I do. And I, and I, you know, I look back at my dad and, and without him, he, he literally set the tone. He did. And, and I mean all the way around. And uh, I mean, as far as life for us boys as men, and as wrestlers in the business, and um, it just uh, to hear you say that day, I really appreciate it, man, very much. I, no. I do. Um, no, I appreciate. It. I wanted to talk about that, and really quick. I know this is a tough transition after just talking about your brother, but we are talking about continental uh, yes, championship I'm wrestling. <laughs> no, and 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 I and I and I feel like obviously the presence of your family in that organization, but but really quick because we talked about you started when it was Southeastern Championship Wrestling. Um, if you could just tell a quick story about that transition in, in 1985 uh, from Southeastern Championship Wrestling uh, to Continental Championship Wrestling. So for so when when we did that um, Southeastern. You know, look, I, again, I was young, and so in my mind, it was just rolling. And all of a sudden, uh, we go to do TV one day, and we're told, hey, look, on these promos, uh, there are new owners, and the new owners are putting all this money in. They're bringing in all this new talent, and and we're actually going to move. We were doing our television show in Dothan, Alabama, and we look, we had to be there early on a Saturday morning. It was studio wrestling, uh, early 80s. There would be, I don't know, 60 or 70 people uh, in the studio because it was, I mean, when I say studio wrestling, it's hard for people to think, to understand what I'm saying. There was just enough room, room in the room, uh, just enough room in the uh, studio for a 16 by 16 ring and one set of bleachers that just went up. And look, if you've ever been to a peewee football game, you know the tiny set of bleachers that I'm talking about. And so they would put ringside, uh, like one row of ringside seats maybe, and then those bleachers behind it, that's it. That's all that could fit in there. And so we would show up at TV, and there would be a line of people waiting to get in, and a lot of people didn't get in. And um, – the, the show was really hot at that time. People, the storylines, look, the storylines that were back then, they would hold up in today's time. And um, so we we get to TV and they tell us, look, new owners, blah, blah, blah. That's all they tell us. You know, I was too young and dumb to realize it's the same owners. They're just changing the name and we're moving where we do TV because we ended up after that doing TV in Birmingham, Alabama, in a 8,000 seat building or something like that and hiring Gordon Soley to be the announcer. And when that happened, oh man, we look, it was already what, in my opinion, it was already on fire. 
But when we did that, Gordon Soley at that time was the mecca of announcers. And if he was the announcer of your television show, he did Atlanta. And so he would, you know, Birmingham's not that far, three-hour drive. And so he would come over and do our TV show every Monday night. And, you know, hey, man, he gave the legitimacy to Continental Championship Wrestling. And then they did bring in, like, Austin Idol or uh, they brought in Adrian Street. They brought in um, Hustler Rip Rogers. Uh, and, and look back then, even Ken Thames, who had never won a match at all on any television show, brought him in, put a mask on him, called him Mr. Class, and used him mid-card. And so they not only did they use top stars from other territories, like Idol and Rip Rogers, they used, uh, you know, they, their own Gaga and made a star out of Mr. Class. They brought uh, Larry Santana, who was a guy in Tennessee that would come do jobs in WCW, and they brought him in and put an orange mask on him and called him Mr. Tennessee. They made stars. And that's honestly what they did with the, all the boy, all the Armstrong boys is they just made stars out of them off of our dad. And it just worked to have Ron Fuller and Jimmy Golden and Robert Fuller and Roy Lee Welch. Well, they were all family. Uh, you know, Ron and Robert were, were brothers. And then uh, Jimmy was a cousin on one side and Roy Lee Welch was a cousin on the other side. So you got the entire Armstrong family and the entire Fuller Welch family all wrestling each other and you bring in a couple of stars to uh you know salt and pepper shaker the whole thing and man that was continental wrestling and it blew up i mean the addition of gordon Soley, i think was unbelievable uh also the addition of going from studio wrestling with 60 people to having at least 3500 to 4000 people and we're talking every week in the same building and and that's how it was. I mean, anybody that wants to type it in, you can call me on it. Uh, I highly recommend look on YouTube, go to Continental Wrestling and watch the matches. And, you know, my dad would come out to George Thurgood's Bad to the Bone and you just see people get up out of their seats on his entrance and you go, wow, that's that's over. You know what I mean? I, I look for that these days and you don't see a lot of it, you know, and, and so um, no. Seeing his drawing power um, as I got older was eye-opening. I, I didn't realize, um, you know, people always talked about, well, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was horrible in the ring, but he could talk asses in the seats. Well, that, that was my dad, except when he got in the ring, he could do that too. Yeah. And so uh, I feel very grateful that uh, my brothers and I were all able to benefit from that. And then, you know, you, uh, Brad was the wrestler. He was the first one to start. I'm the oldest of all the boys. And so, but but I was in college when Brad started. And so Brad started wrestling and then me and then Steve, who was tag team partners with the late Tracy Smothers. They were the, the wild-eyed Southern boys and then the Young Pistols. Yep. And then uh, Brian, who, who was just getting beat with us on TV. <laughs> as Brian Armstrong for WCW. And then one day, I'll never forget this as long as I live, he came home. Uh, he was still living at home, my mom and dad, after he got out of the Marines. And he came home 
and he had all those, those braids weaved in his hair. And me and my brothers dogged him so bad. We, we made fun of him. We said, you got to be kidding, until he finally flipped us all off and told us in uh, so many four-letter words, it, you know, we could stick it. And then he walked out the door, got in his car, and left. And then about six months later, J.J. Dillon, who was with WWF at the time, calls him and says, hey, uh, would you be interested in coming up to WWF? And the answer was, well, sir, they, you know, Brian was still real humble pie back then. <laughs> he said, well, sir, uh, they've, you know, WCW has done nothing but beat me on TV. And I, this is a phrase, guys, that I will never forget as long as I live. JJ said to Brian, what they've done to you for however long they've done it, we will change in 30 seconds. Nice. And the rest is history. And that's our business. Yeah. And, you know, Brian went on to be, uh, you know, oh, you didn't know in the whole nine yards. So, yeah, it was uh, really awesome, man. Really awesome. Sir, thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. It was a blast. I appreciate awesome. it. Love you, Scott. We'll be right back. Legacy of the Territories. It's Continental Championship Wrestling. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This is Busted Open's presentation of the Legacy of the Territories, Continental Championship Wrestling, with your hosts, Dave LaGreca and ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. Back here on Busted Open's Legacy of the Territories, talking Continental Championship Wrestling, myself and Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy, wow, what an emotional interview with Scott Armstrong. Of course, when you're talking about your brother, um, you're going to get so emotional. I was emotional. You're emotional. It's, it's, um, it's your brother. And you got to be alongside your brother and doing something that you love. Um, it, it was just very, very, uh, and you saw that emotion come out. And just like I also pointed out to him, man, a lot of times we suppress it. And when then you talk about it or, you know, it, it, it triggers it. And it's also good to let that out. Um, as I, my daughters have reminded me, um, happy tears or sad tears, but you you got to get that out because, you know, that person meant the world. Think about what you talk about, Brad, all the time. Think about what he meant to you as the wrestler. And you didn't know the guy. And this is his brother. And he also yeah. like, you know, his father, he's standing there alongside his father, who's the top draw of that company and that era i mean he was a massive massive star 
I love that he finally got like his flowers and put into the WWE Hall of Fame because when you and I saw him, he was much older man. I wanted to talk more about him, about his dad and also like his dad's workout uh, regimen because his dad was always in the gym up until like, I remember Scott would post pictures, just finished working out with, with my dad and his dad was, you know, battling uh, and then eventually lost his life, but he was still working out, living that, living that life. And, and uh, so, so cool to talk to, to Scott. I love Scott. I love Brian, but their body of work, man. And he said it the best with, with Brad, it lives forever. And, you know, you and I, how did we see it? I first saw, uh, Continental Championship Wrestling with through this week uh, in wrestling with the Joe yep. Pettisino show. And then I'm hooked. And then I'm like, I got to get this information. And I was a tape trader. Hey, do you guys have any of this? You can now find a lot of this stuff on uh, the internet. I know I've sent you like, hey, Dave, look what I just found. And it's, you know, all these different uh, shows and man, they hold up. And even like, you know, we talked about with the addition of Gordon Soley, it made it real. And it made it real and like, wow, this is this is something. It's going to be something because he's endorsing it. Yeah. And he really did help it. I mean, I remember there was so many angles. It was stuff that like I had never seen before. And they used to have that up on that big stage where they would do the platform and then you could see it. I remember when ECW did a pay-per-view there in the Boutwell Auditorium. And, and I was just like, man, I'm coming here. This is where Continental, this was their... Um, main building and i'm wrestling in the main event there like i couldn't nobody there like i mean tommy rich was telling me some of the history but it was just like next level for me as a performer and just being like wow i'm the place where like hey the armstrongs fought the fullers hey this place would be every tuesday night would be sold out to see professional wrestling and it just it meant something a lot to me and I'm, a, I'm, I'm in the business, but I'm also a fan first. And I know it means something for the fans and hence why we talk about it and cover it. And I, and I, when we're doing this series, man, I recommend everybody. I love when people send me links of stuff I've never seen where you keep the conversation going about, Hey, I was there for this, or I saw this uh, happen. It's really, really cool. Or even if you go back and you can find it, to say, man, this was before it's time. It's the first time I ever saw Danny Davis wrestle. Yeah. And I never knew how great Danny Davis was as a pro wrestler because I never saw him. And then I was like, oh, wait, Danny Davis used to be Jerry Lawler's manager. And then I did a whole deep dive on someone I consider a great friend of mine and couldn't believe the bumps and moves this guy was doing as the nightmare. And just, you know, and that's just a little footnote, but there, there's so much great wrestling and there's such a difference in styles and there's it's a lost art of the southern heel and it would be the southern bumping heel and you think about you know and scott even talked about the midnight express his midnight express was you know randy rose dennis conjury norvell austin that's not the midnight express that everyone knows but yeah it happened it happened first uh and it happened first in continental championship wrestling yeah continental ran from 1985 to December of 1989, Tommy. And you're right. My exposure, we never in our area were able to see the weekly TV show. But pro wrestling this week with Gordon Soley and Joe Pettisino did a great job. And they always had a lot 
of Continental Championship Wrestling on that show, whether it's like you said, the Armstrongs, the Fullers, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Eddie Gilbert was Jimmy huge. Golden. Yeah, I mean, that was big. And I really feel from watching it, the matches were great. There's no doubt. The personalities and the wrestlers were great. I think that's unquestioned. But it was really about the storylines. That I I thought the storylines were so strong in Continental Championship Wrestling. Scott said it the best. He's literally tagging with his brother. And how could you not get behind brothers? Yeah. And like when his brother's getting beaten up, he's getting beaten up. And then it's brother versus brother, families feuding. And he talked about that time. Family life meant a lot, especially down south. And, you know, it's as old school as what was it? The Hackfields and the McCoys yeah. uh, from from back in the day, these feuding families. And when you throw that real life into the worked aspect of it, I mean, dude, I had him tell the story for a reason. They told him his father was getting beat up. He ran into his car to get something and hit the ring for real. And he did that because they told him his father was getting beat up. He thinks he's smart to the business. No, he's not. And he did the right thing for his dad. But uh, honestly, like that is such a tale of that generation and that era of how secret, like even when Dusty told Cody, oh, well, if we fight here, we're going to get in trouble. That's why we don't fight. And Cody's like, oh, you're, you're, you're not smartening up your family as opposed Crazy. to people just smarting people up on social media every second. That's why it was so special, and that's why it drew. Yeah, it's it was a magical territory. Again, uh, available on YouTube. There's a lot of episodes and matches and storylines available on YouTube. I, I hope that our nation goes and checks it out if you never were a part of her, never able to watch it back in the day. Uh, Tommy, another great episode of... Legacy of the Territory, Southeastern Continental Championship Wrestling. Stay tuned. We got more episodes that are going to drop right here on Busted Open. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.